0: Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. This is episode number 59. I am Josh Roop. With me, my co-host as always.
1: Scott Larson. And Josh, let's uh, get the, the friends of the show out of the way first before we get to our featured guest. Want to start off with uh, Flipping Out Pinball. If you want to get that new machine in your house, go ahead and check out uh, Zach and Nicole at Flipping Out Pinball. Uh, my last delivery was Led Zeppelin Premium, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Just upgraded the code. Uh, next, if you're looking for the week this week in pinball, go ahead and check, check out Jeff Patterson's site. Uh, it gives you the top five rundown of all the things going on in pinball. Also, Pinball Supernova, another resource that you can go to with uh, links of uh, tips of how to tune up your game and also other resources uh, to discuss all things pinball. If you want to get a different uh, translate for your classic Williams Bally game, go ahead and check out Flyland Designs. Uh, I have the Medieval Madness Alternative translight, and I just got the blades in. Uh, also, if you want to display those Trance Lights that are collecting dust in your attic, go ahead and check out Brad at Lit Frames. Uh, perfect way of displaying all those Trance Lights, and it's easy to swap them out. If you just want to get a few of them and uh, keep mixing up the, the ambiance in your game room, go ahead and check out Brad at Lit Frames. Uh, pin shades. If you want to see those games a little better, especially on location, they are polarized lenses that you can play a little better, especially with those uh, on location. All those, well, basically, all those uh, glasses tend to have some glare on them, so it'll take that out. Uh, if you want to learn how to play that game, go ahead and check out Ray Day Pinball. Uh, currently, world number one, and also is a. Uh, works at stern so he's also designing and uh helping work on the rules and the coding there uh you can check out the pinball loft which is my buddy's site Uh, it's his personal blog on that uh also we have streaming josh are you still doing any streaming uh
0: i'm getting hopefully a new computer so we can start streaming again so we'll we'll see where we're going with that
1: all right sounds good and josh now who do we have on the podcast today
0: so this man has been in pinball for many many years his designs have helped influence and start new generations of designers his high speed is regarded as one of the best games that was ever made and inspired a lot of people to get into designing their own pinball machines also he was the voice of shao khan in the mortal kombat series with us today is the king steve ritchie how are you doing steve
2: i'm doing great how are you guys doing
1: Well, we're doing great. It's a beautiful uh, springtime day here in Utah. How is it in in, uh, Chicago right now?
2: Yeah, it's a little overcast. It was raining earlier, but I don't don't care. We're inside. I'm happy to be here. Well, Steve, we we appreciate
1: you taking your time out. I know it can be a little difficult uh, to record for you, so we appreciate being able to set this up. Um, I've told the story many times how I bumped into you. You were staying across the hall at... uh, at the Rocky Mountain Pinball Show, and uh, came out and bumped in, and uh, we ended up having a, a little adventure. Uh, that's when you, uh, you started telling me about the, uh, the Black Knight topper, and how it had an articulating head that moved around and, uh, and insulted you. And I knew immediately, as soon as that topper came out, I was gonna get that.
2: <laughs> cool. I you know, I didn't do all the work on it. I wanna make that clear. The idea is mine. I got a document written up. You know, I wanted it to speak. I wanted up and down. I wanted it to be able to nod its head up and down and shake its head sideways. You know, and when you have those two abilities, you can also mix them in together. So you have a lot of different, you know, um, positions the head can be in. A lot of different expressions. Um, I have to. I have to say thank you to quite a few people. Uh, like um, Elliot. Elliot Iceman is a great mechanical engineer. He really did, you know, the work on it to make it work. I, I didn't really, I dispected. I didn't make it work. But one of my flame, you know, my flame boards was in there. Two of them, I'm sorry. And um, I just, uh, and also Tim, Tim Sexton, who's a great programmer and a good friend. And it's like, we're mutton. Jeff. I am 71 years old, going deaf. Okay, he's like 28. And he's like, He's, he's like me. He loves pinball. And the way we work together is like just so nice. That's what I could say. You know, we didn't really argue or anything. There wasn't many. There just wasn't much. You know, we just just got along and picked the best thing for the game. And that's always the most important thing. Can't have people's egos getting in the way. You got to, you know, you got to spread it out. You got to make, make those things happen. And it's got to take the best of the best from where it comes from. If somebody has a good idea and they want to give it to me, I'll take it. I will say thank you. But I also reserve the right to say, no way, no way, no way, like that. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Do you know how
1: many games you have designed over your career?
2: No, but there's a lot. It's like not all pinball either. Like I had two slot machine designs, a couple of redemption games, uh, novelty games. Once I was worked on a magnet game, it's it was weird. Uh, I don't know. It's 30-something probably or maybe maybe up to 40, somewhere in there.
0: So on the topic of Black, Black Knight sort of rage, what made yeah. you want to go back and do another Black Knight game?
2: Okay, I'm going to say this as delicately as possible. I was looking to run away from the misery of dealing with licensors two in a row that were just very frustrating for me it probably wasn't such a great choice because I probably could have done better with a movie theme or whatever. Young people today don't even know what black Knight is, but once you play the game, I don't know. I don't think it matters. That's, that's my feeling. Okay. For me to play that game is like, it is the most intense pinball machine ever made. And, and I played them all. It just is. It's like, it's kind. it is what I wanted too. it is exactly what I wanted. And, you know, Tim again. Now we did two games in a row together, so it's like Tim did a great job on it, and it's it's just you know good fun rules speech. Nobody to tell us what to do about anything, you know. Run home to mother, maggot. I <laughs> mean, you know, I don't know if they'd let me say that, you know. It's like uh, anybody, any licensor, okay. But anyway, we kind of cut loose. There wasn't any bad words or anything, but maggot isn't very nice, is it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, but uh, okay, it's perfect the, I the thing I thought that was nice about it is it was the first game that I played that one it felt accessible to a younger audience because it felt like they were playing a video game. Yeah. And ki- kids are more used to the video game aspect of it, and so I felt that was a very easy way for them to say, "Oh, I understand. I I know what I'm supposed to do." I'm fighting this monster and I need to shoot these shots.
2: Yeah. And I have to speak to that too. Those our artist group is incredible. And that was led by, um, you know, Chuck Ernst, but the, the artist, his name is Denai and he's, he is so talented. He's incredible. He's here today. Very few people are here today. I am at Stern in my office full of garbage. It isn't really, it's I, you would think it's full of treasure. <laughs> Any pinball person would, but, you know, for a pinball designer, you're, you're surrounded by parts. I mean, that's you can't see them all. My whole desk is covered with parts and junk not really junk, good stuff, but you know. Anyway, we were talking about uh Black Knight, and it's like somebody said, you know, they what do you, you know, there's nothing new on the game, and it's just I don't know how you could say that. I, I just don't.
1: I think it's a lot of fun. My friend down the street. He has an L.E., and he has the topper as well. And when you crank up that soundtrack, it rocks the house. And it's hard. I, it's, it's one of the hardest games because you miss a shot, and it's coming back at you really fast.
2: My golf score is about 550 million. And it's like, you know, I just got that, like, last week. I have one in my living room. I have a premium with the topper. and uh, But it's got some nice special parts on it. Um, anyway... Yeah, Black Knight was a, was a fun game to make.
0: So, Steve, you have been doing this for many years. How has your design process changed over the years? And is there anything that kind of remains the same when you get ready to design a new pinball machine?
2: Well, some things have changed. You know, we have cool electronics like the digital spinner, and um, there's like uh, any of the newer inventions that we have. Many of them I create. Some other people create um but really a ball guide's a ball guide it's sixty thousand stainless and it has been forever so it's it's like uh not that much has changed you know for for me i try to try to create new shots when i can but for me i have another you know monkey on my back it's called make it smooth and so i won't pick just any shot i i can't because i don't I'll, i don't want to hate a shot i like the, a, a shot to feel satisfying. And uh, so I don't, I don't take shots that are compromises. I don't use them.
1: It it feels like your games are meant to be played at full speed. I I, I would say that there seems to be very little incentive to, I'm going to slow down and line up a shot. It's, it, it seems like your design is I'm, I'm intending to shoot the ball when it is going Fast and it's coming at me and feeding my flipper. Yeah, and it see it feels to me engineered that you are ready to hit the ball and hit it on the fly and hit it at ten thousand miles an hour. Is is that fair to say?
2: It's, well, it's fair to say, but not everybody reacts that way. A lot of people still like Lyman Sheets was in here. He would stop the ball, line it up. Wait a minute, somebody's here. I would like to introduce you to someone. This is my friend, and Hi. we can't you got to be in the camera. There you go. This is my friend and the mechanical engineer for almost every game I have made here. John Rothermel is his name. And he's a uh, Hi, John. He's, Hi. He's done some really fine work. And it's like, I greatly appreciate having him on my team. And that's how it is. All right, anyway. Uh,
1: um, nice meeting you. Likewise.
2: John Rothermel, ladies and gentlemen
1: hey john i love the electric
2: spinner i didn't do that electric magic oh there you go <laughs> yeah that's one of my engineers did right that. Did we have yeah. elliot Iceman did I that I farmed it out you know i don't do everything ah i did i did the concept but i didn't do any work on it again elliot did it elliot made it work yep so i can't take credit for this one <laughs> it's funny that he calls that up ask him about the flail on black knight <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, that's great. That, was that a, it, it, it was yeah. a beast. It's like tough as nails.
0: Where did the concept for the flail come from?
2: Um, me and uh, Kevin Kevin O'Connor brought me a, a, a drawing here. I'm going to show it to you. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. See, it's a black knight. He's kind of kneeling on a bunch of skulls, and he has a flail in his hand. And I didn't put it together until, I'm looking at it, Wyman was in here too and I said, wow, it would be cool to have a flail on it, but one side it would be imbalanced, it would be a train wreck on a pinball machine spinning as fast as it does with a big old motor. So I ended up putting two ends on it, two balls. It happened from a bunch of people actually, but I did, you know, I made a drawing of it and stuck it in the game and John refined it totally.
1: You know, I, I do want I do like talking about Black Knight, but I want to talk about the latest game. I wanna talk about Led Zeppelin. Sure. So this is your second music game.
2: That's not true. I'm sorry. Oh, what was the third? Elvis was first. Oh. <laughs> and then A C D C and then Led Zeppelin.
1: Oh, okay. I I have yet to see an Elvis in person, so it did not bubble to the top. But I have, played LED, I have played ACDC a lot, and I do own a
2: Led Zeppelin. Okay, uh, that's cool. I'm glad you do. I'm, I mean, I'm really happy that you like it, I, of course. Um, I'm staring at the play field right now because it's out of my cabinet. My cabinet's got my latest game in it. I mean, we just went bang, bang, bang. My new game is almost ready to play. Oh, there you go. I, I mean, it's got a long way to go with development, software, and all this other stuff, but it's kind of ready to shoot. Nice. Nice.
1: with ACDC versus Led Zeppelin versus Elvis they are very different artists so how do you approach that and design a pinball machine around a music pin that have different styles
2: I I get assigned an artist sometimes I can ask and they'll give me the artist sometimes I just get who I get and it's like it's okay because I, I like working with all of them and, um, <clears throat> Stefan Jensen is like, uh, he's the guy that did all the art. Uh, and he's super talented. He has a, he has his own company called Warnstar clothes. Have you heard of that? Warnstar W-O-N?
0: No. Like, Check it out. No.
2: It's worn. And, uh, <clears throat> anyway, he's really talented. He's the guy that came up with the, all, all the artwork, um, you know we had to deal with the licensor they weren't they they weren't too bad not anywhere near as bad as others um, robert plant did say this though he said why does a game need to speak <laughs> I, I don't know what what anybody answer. he didn't say it to me he said it to our licensing guys so it's like i don't know games have to speak because they do they got to tell people what to do it's like it's it's such a good communication tool it made a huge difference when we had you know between having a game that could not speak couldn't say anything and you know and then we do what gorgar and firepower is the second game that spoke. so it's like it makes a huge difference you know what to do it just it gets you involved it's more immersive I was gonna say, I
0: know you're a rock star in your own right. You play guitar and whatnot. You were in a band. Is Led Zeppelin one of the bands that you loved growing up? Is this like kind of your dream theme?
2: Absolutely. We played. We played a lot of their tunes, and um, I ripped off Jimmy for his licks so much. You know, I mean, but he taught me a lot. I sit down with a record and just, you know, beat on it. I even had the same guitar. I had a Les Paul custom. I still have it. In fact, all the songs that I've written for pinball are written on that guitar. And I've written a lot of songs, like, for, um, I don't know, high speed. But, I mean, the guy, the sound system there could not play it right. High speed is, ah, yeah, it's a drag. I I almost hate it. Anyway, <laughs> nah, 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 I, I hate how it sounds. Uh, Black Knight, um, 2000, yeah, it rocked. That had a lot of good musicians on it. Um, Brian Schmidt. Um, ah, Dan Forden, great musician and a great, just a great coach for speech and talking. Anyway, um, you were, we? we were talking about? We were talking about art, but I
1: also do want to talk about, you know, the different approach to the play, the play field layout that you have with different games. I mean, you have Elvis, ACDC, Led Zeppelin. Is there something about the band that makes you design a layout a certain way?
2: Yeah, with ACDC, yes. Then big representative things like the bell, OK, the train, you know, the cannons, they always have that. Uh, you know, a lot of cool stuff. What's up one's a little sparse on that. It's like, and the, um, I would say the, uh, you know, the document we got listing what we could use and what we couldn't was a little thin. But it was usable, definitely a lot of usable stuff. And and we got more with some some photographs and stuff. Yeah, to put up yeah, each time you have to make a package that that utilizes what you can use and and some wise choices maybe for what's iconic. I mean, what's up on one album is iconic. I think it had to go on the premium. What's up on three? People like that album also. And it's like, uh, I have that on this game here. It's a mishmash. It's a bunch of stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's, uh, I think you catch my drift. If you've got a lot of toys, a lot of things going on, you know, well, or even song titles sometimes. But it's like, I suppose I could have added like a Viking a ship for, uh, what's the name of that tune? <laughs> I can't
1: think of it. Which one? Immigrant Song?
2: Yeah, the immigrant song, I'm sorry. It was an odd name for it. I mean, it's basically a death song. We're coming to get you uh, and you, you know, it's like watching Vikings, you know, invade England or whatever. It's like, okay. Uh, theres a lot of other connections there. Icarus, you know, he's a big part of it. Electric Magic. Electric Magic, we got that name from a poster that was one of their concerts. It was entitled Electric Magic. So that's what the band was, too, kind of. I've seen them twice. I mean, the third row back at Berkeley Community Theater in 1969 or 70, I think. And then after I, I was in the Coast Guard and I took my brother to see them at Kezar Stadium in San Francisco. And um, they're a great band, maybe the best band ever.
0: Did you ever think of doing any of the voices for Led Zeppelin yourself since you've done a lot of voices for your games?
2: No, it's like people around here, they think I've done too many voices for games. I don't know why they say that, but sometimes I just, uh, you know, I don't know if there was a place for it here. I don't do a good English accent. What, what's your favorite part of designing? It really is like where I'm at right now. I'm at a place where I can I can shoot the game and it's... And I'm happy with the shots. I've got a couple of little things I need to fix, but the big stuff is done. And it's nice, just nice. And so, yeah, this is this is one of my favorite parts. It's like, you know, some people don't make a drawing. Some designers, like Dennis Norman, you just make a drawing. He makes a 3D model out of uh, foam core. And um, I always make drawings. And when I make my drawing and you know, see the parts all work together. I know that it's going to be repeatable. I know we're going to make it in production. And also, it's like they don't really use my drawing. I draw it. I draw my my game only for John Rothermel. And then he converts it to a SolidWorks game that is in 3D with all the components on it. And it's a little more accurate than AutoCAD is. And it's also, you know, a lot more, you know, you can see things you can see interferences, heights, all this stuff that I, I would I can still draw and see that stuff, but it takes me a lot longer to do side views. I wish I could show you that, but I can't. Um, you know. It, anyway, all you have to do is rotate his his model, and you can see everything. Mine is I only build it in two D. That's it. But then I do a side view, and that gives me heights. So between those two things, I, I manage. Anyway. of the game i like best is right about now just having the shots out of the way now it's going to be like adding toys and uh you know getting it ready with uh I i don't even have any inserts on this model here but um i have them drawn now on my drawing so that's you know when i say inserts i'm talking about the little windows you know do you know what inserts are do you guys speak that language
1: yeah Oh, yeah, okay. the little uh, the little colored jewels on the play field. That's
2: right, that's right. And, uh, yep. so I, But I have them on my drawing, and I'm working on those. I'm not completely done. I have to finish by Friday or Monday. And so, uh, and then we're going to make a white wood of this thing. So, what do I hate the worst? Plastics. I
1: hate them. <laughs> so, plastic ramps?
2: Uh, just the plastics. Not plastic ramps. Plastic ramps are... They're nice. I I don't even design them. John does. I tell him how high and what the radiuses are and all that. And he he develops the ramps. Metal ramps, I will draw a top view. Well, I I draw a top view of of every ramp, but uh, he modified it a little bit. It's okay. It's fine. Um, Plastics are a pain because you put the game together and the ball hangs up all kinds of places. You know, that's like, you got a post screw and there's a little nut on it, you know, often they're ball hangups. ups. I mean, it's like I have to work around that, add more plastic, you know, add stuff to prevent ball hangups, ups. And I try to be as diligent as possible. Um, but it's like, yeah, they're a pain, and there's so many it's it's many different layers that, you know, you have posts that go down into the play field and spacing and um, areas where you want artwork areas where you want to it clear. It's just a pain. So I'll be doing plastics. You know, I've got a sheet going up with this game with all the parts that I've drawn so far. But it's like I'll have to keep going back and back and back until it gets more and more refined. One of the questions I have is the, the
0: people that came from Williams for some odd reason call Pop Bumpers Jets. Do you know why? they Like I've even heard that people that, that integrated from Williams into Stern and whatnot call... The pop bumpers, jets. Do you know why that is, or is there a specific reason they're called jets to those people?
2: Um, I, I say the word jets a lot. I was there for 20 years, and that's what we call them jet bumpers. Okay. Here they call them pop bumpers. I, I'm getting close to doing it all right after 16 or 17 years here. Once in a while, I'll say pop bumper. But, you know, a <laughs> really old one, like when I worked at Atari and it was kind of Bally influence, they called them thumper bumpers. uh, I'm not sure what your whole question was, Josh. uh,
0: I didn't know if you knew where that term derived from or if it was just kind of that's where you worked and that's what they called them.
2: Yeah. I mean, each, each company has a language. I don't know Jersey Jack's language. It's probably more like Williams than here. But it's like, you know, I'm kind of the guy that said green is lock, right? From firepower on, green is locked to teach people this. But you know, some people have made them purple. You know, Gottlieb was big on that. And I don't know. There's a, there are languages like here, the app, the official name for a ball guide, you know, a flat piece of metal, you know, an inch and 1.1 in, inches high where the ball falls. You know what I'm talking about. Stainless steel, right? A ball guide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're called flat rails here. I always call them ball guides and wire forms. Wire forms are the wires that get pounded into the play field, you know, to separate things and like create the inside of lanes, that sort of stuff.
1: Steve, on uh, Led Zeppelin Premium and LE, there are the, the lights that are in the cabinet on the, on the sides. Yeah. So that's the first time that Stern has has put that in. Uh, there have been aftermarket things that have done done them in previous games. Um,
2: well, not like not built into the cabinet wall,
1: right? And I did so that
2: first on Star Trek, but very few people remember that.
1: Well, uh, the, Star Trek had on the LE didn't have the lasers.
2: The LE LA did have the lasers. That's a different thing. That's that's from between the flippers, right, on the lower arch. So I don't understand, but anyway, no, so, I so expression lights. I explained them the first day that I told them I wanted to do what's Zeppelin uh, with those lights in it in time with the music. Um, Tim, Tim and, uh, Raymond Davidson, uh, you know, stepped that up big time and, uh, yeah, he's done some amazing stuff. I mean, it's not just, it has to do with pitch, the beat, he's changing the color. You know, that the change, the color changes, uh, you know, they make your score higher if you know what you're doing.
1: Oh, you, I didn't know that.
2: Well, now you do. And you, you need to read the, uh, the new rule sheet because they are amazing. I like how they light up the play field, yet they're not in your face, bright, miserable, and comfortable. They're comfortable to look at, and it just makes the game rock. There's no question. And I have a, I have a, a prototype Whitewood in my house without those lights because they didn't have any for me. That ain't going to happen again.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think it's great. I think it's a great idea, hopefully, with uh, future designs to be incorporating similar things, because you're right. It does make the play field so much brighter.
2: Yeah, and, I, I mean, and when it rocks with the music, it's just, and you know the rules, what's going on? That's really thrilling. I don't know. It's just fun.
0: So, Steve, uh, one of the things that I want to ask you is, Mortal Kombat is huge right now a movie just came out the game's been around for years how is it being a part of something like that that came from a small company in Chicago that has now kind of helped drive pop culture and maybe redefine gaming
2: it feels good you know it's like I'm, I'm not as big of a part as virtually anybody else that worked on Mortal Kombat I did the speech I did name it with combat with a K and Mortal it's like they had Mortal on the board, uh, and I did that, and I did speech for them. Uh, the script was probably written by uh, Ed Boone and uh, probably um, Dan Forden. I don't know. Some things just came out too that I said. You know, that happens every time we do a game. Somebody will blurt something. And go, oh, that's good. We can put in the game. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, the voice of Shao Kahn is different than any other voice. I can still do him. Fatality. Sonya wins. So, yeah, Mortal Kombat, it's kind of like they're all my friends. Ed, Ed Boon is the guy, the mastermind who came up with it. And I don't know, it was a great idea, no doubt. It was a, just a brutal fighting game. And the other didn't even come close. Pretty nasty, but it turns out people like nasty.
1: Yeah, it, um, I, I'm assuming you're comparing it to Street Fighter, which was a, a different, it was a different vibe and Mortal Kombat came along at the same time. Well, they're still making Mortal Kombat games. They're not making new Street Fighter games.
2: Yeah, I did see the, the movie. I think I saw it last Friday night. Oh, how was it? On HB, HBO Max. It's uh, it's better than the other ones. I liked it. I know the characters. It's kind of cool. The story was decent. I, I'm You know. I watched the whole movie. I didn't fall asleep. It was decent.
0: Was it weird, though, to watch that and be like, hey, I know who that is, you know, character wise and whatnot, just because it's something that you guys worked in in a small office in Chicago. and Now it's on the big screen kind of thing.
2: Yeah, actually, it was a pretty big office. They had a whole big chunk of the lower floor, Um, you know, it was in the back of Williams, but. They had a decent spot, and then they ended up being, uh, you know, in a separate building across the street. I like to see the building, though, now and then. We spend so many, so many hours in there. It was a cool place. It was also the best group of game design people I ever worked with, although Stern is, Stern is rocking right now, too.
0: Yeah, you guys are definitely kicking out some great titles and some great games right now.
2: Yeah, we have good stuff, and almost everybody is, you know, is working to their, you know, their best ability. And there's some mighty talent here, no doubt.
1: Now, speaking of that, you mentioned, uh, you know, Raymond Davidson, Tim Sexton, these, uh, these guys who are the younger, um, the younger, newer pinball players than the people who were around in the 90s. Uh, what do they bring to the table to change the games nowadays versus uh, how design was in the 90s?
2: um <clears throat> Tim and well Ray Davidson's coming on you know he's been been with us for about a year maybe i'm not sure but uh Tim Tim brings a lot to the breadth of the rules do you know what i mean not just the depth it's like stuff like oh oh the inserts are changing color it's red i did this boom 6 million you know it's like Tim is very good at making things happen on the play field that I'm never going to get to probably. But I liked our relationship because I could say, you know what? I have to get an extra ball here. I have to. Otherwise, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to ever get any further, you know. So it's like, you know, I'm like, I'm better than an average player by far, but I'm not great. And so I kind of fight for the – the guy on the street. You know what I mean? When I can, if I need to. The high end stuff, that's fine. Tim Tim does things that I don't even know about on the game. And Lyman also. You know, I'm never gonna get there. I don't know what to do with it when I get there. Um I know a little more about Led Zeppelin than I did say about the high end of A C D C. Um and I don't know. This that's fine. I love working with them. They, If they make all the good players happy, I'm happy, definitely. And if we can get average players, just, you know, normal street people having fun. That's what I'm, I'm invested in because a game has to be fun. It has to be fun for everyone in some way or other.
0: Out of the games that you've designed over the years, is there a specific one that's just your baby or your, your favorite one or one that stands out that was just different designing than the rest.
2: I don't know, to me it's like at Williams it was all all about how many you can sell. I sold 19,250 flash games my my first game at Williams. Um that's a big number. It took a year to make them. One year. Um but after that our company expanded. We had a, a lot of capital. Uh and they they were coming from runs that were much much smaller. In fact, they were fading away, kind of. It wasn't a good era, 1977, 76, not for them. Also, they had old old components, like a flipper would be three parts. It would have a bracket with a coil on it, and then another bracket supporting the rotating part of the belt crank and a spring, and it would have, you know, a switch up high in the air. It wasn't like a one-piece flipper where you pick it up and screw it down to the plate field everybody else had one piece flippers and it's like they were low power too they were like 40 volts or something everybody else was using 50 volts and i I wanted that badly and i i didn't get it till after black knight the first black knight 1980 then then we started getting you know um 50 volts a new system and then then they started you know refining all the systems i i hate to be talking about this but probably nobody else talks about it you know Pat Waller could, some other older guys, they, they could talk about it. Standout games for me, you know, high speed was a monster. We sold like, I don't know, close to 16,000. Um, one guy called me five years later, I think in 1985. Now, 1990, called me up and he goes, you know, I have, uh, I have two high speeds out on location, and they have made me $50,000. And then he said, "Each, wow. wow, each game had made him fifty thousand dollars in five years." But that's when pinball was rocking. It was everywhere. It was in Seven Elevens. It was in arcades, bus depots, airports. So just everywhere, you know. It's like people were operating pinball machines. But that that was phenomenal to me. Uh, you know, it's like wow, just sort of you know, you get a, a fifty thousand dollars. How many plays is that? You know, I it's. Some places I don't, I think may have been, you know, three balls for 50 cents. That's probably what the price was. So Anyway, okay. Standout games. I like a 14 Tomcat because it's a weird game. <laughs> it's fun, but it's weird. It's a beast. Um, we created the, uh, you know, the Gulf War, it's, you know, basically that part of it. It played anchors away. It was patriotic, red, white, and blue Uh you know, if, if one rotating light on a game is good, then three must be better. And um, I don't know. I like that game. I, well, love Terminator. Terminator was so cool. We got to go to Lightstorm Studios and sit with Jim Cameron. Yeah, we called him Jim. He called me Steve. He wouldn't probably remember me now. But we spent three hours with him talking about what we could do, you know, with, with Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And on the last day, we got to read the scripts, and, and we had to sign non-disclosure agreements, and the, we just knew it was going to be a rocking movie, and it was. It was huge. Anyway, we were very motivated. We did as many things. You know, he had some game ideas, too. Um, I, had, I had mine, and it's like I wanted that canon in there. I just wanted that because it was like a fun thing, just a really fun thing. I had wanted to make a canon since I was at Atari. Anyway um other ones star trek the next generation was a monster it's like it's the last five digit game anywhere in the world it all died after popeye came out we had contracts with with the distributors and it's like when popeye came out they were pissed at us they had to pay they had to buy so many of them that our whole distributorship you know structure changed and I don't know. Pin, pinball went downhill from there for a while.
1: So we can blame Popeye for the downfall of that area of pinball.
2: Well, it didn't make very many people happy. That's the bottom line. It just didn't sell well. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to dump it all on, on Popeye, but it had a lot to do with it. It's just like let the wind out of the sails. Like like when you're doing uh, roller games and it's on TV And, uh, you know, three months before you're done, it's ripped off the air. It's a piece of garbage. Nobody likes it. But you got to make the game anyway.
1: Hey, my friend still has a
2: Roller Games. I'm not ashamed of it. It plays good. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun game. Don't flip! (laughs) Go for the wall! The violators! Uh, It was fun.
0: Is there any of those games where you were through the designing process and it got ripped from you, and so you had to change the theme itself?
2: Nah, I mean, we, in the case of roller games, we just we just made the game exactly like we were going to. We used the voices and, and the team names and all that. That didn't change it at all. To change the whole theme of a game, nah, at one time, for a very short period, maybe three weeks, I was going to call Star Trek The Next Generation, under siege remember that movie oh yeah the yeah. battleship movie anyway you know we are looking at it but next gen is like one of my all-time favorite shows i have every episode of course and it's like i don't know
1: next gen is a better theme
2: oh yeah much better no doubt plus that game there'll never be another one like that where they give you the whole cast and you can ask them to say anything you want them to say, and they did. Thank you, Mr. Data. You know, I mean, it's just all so much cool stuff. We wrote scripts to go back and forth, and then get their actual voices. And at one point, um, Patrick Stewart recorded. You know, I screwed up. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, and I, I screwed it up. I don't know how I did. And he recorded, oh, a grave error. A grave error. I didn't say it right. So so you know, he did it right. <laughs> he was he was a character. He was he was great. And he also, I mean, we changed our script from the words he used because they were absolutely correct. I mean, you know, that's how we spoke about operations on a ship. And it was like the, the only one that wasn't helpful was uh what's his name, number one.
1: Uh, Riker, uh, it's, yeah, uh,
2: Riker. He, he didn't want to. He didn't want to play the game. He just thought, you know, just, just kind of, you know, we don't have time for your games, Q. You know, it's like they had no. He didn't really want to do it.
1: I, one of my favorite game callouts is your Spider-Man game, and I can't sell the Spider-Man game because the callouts are so great with uh, J.K. Simons.
2: Yeah, he's great. I coached him. I really did. It shows. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I you know, we would say how about with a little more energy, but it was always him. You know, I mean, he he, he did a great job.
0: What was your what's been your favorite Stern game to work on?
2: My favorite Stern game, Star Trek. Bam. There I said it. Wow. <laughs> well, they were they were very reasonable. The first Star Trek game started out with us going to Paramount and there were three ladies running the licensing. And we were talking to them about many things, and we met all these people that, that worked on the on the show. And you know their names, they're always in the credits. I I can't remember them now, but you know. Well, the artist guy, the older guy that's a sculptor for all the faces and everything, Westmore, that's his name, his last name. Now his son does it. Anyway, um, the lady said, Okay, that's all well and good, but we don't want to use um no phasers and no photon torpedoes why i i was like because they thought it was too violent and and i go i i can't make i can't turn next generation into a namby pamby game i can't do that these are this thing these are expected well i'm sorry that's it and we got up and got on the plane and went back to chicago and roger sharp did his best to save it he said What can we do to salvage this? They said, come back, and and I'll introduce you to someone. So they did. Um, We walked in, and um, there was this lady there named Susie Dominick, and she got us everything, everything you could imagine. Just amazing. And that's why one reason is because of her. She let us have everything that we wanted, and it was an awesome situation from then on. Maybe one of the best ones. I mean, with, with James Cameron, we had good exchanges. Like they send us, they sent us the chip from uh, Terminator Two, the arm for a while, and a glass thing, you know. I mean, skulls, all kinds of stuff, and we got to keep them for a while and then send them back. We also got dailies. Every single day, shot would come in the mail the next morning. Okay, so we knew how the movie was looking. I could, you know, the artwork. You know, we just knew what we had to do. You know, it was just a great licensing opportunity. ACDC was also because they just went, just don't show Bon Scott. Okay. That's the only rule. You can do anything else you want. Really. And they handed me this hard drive. I still have it. Just full of ACDC through the years, photographs, incredible stuff, logos, all kinds of things. You know, it's just. That was a great, that was a great opportunity also. I mean, they were just good to us. They trusted us. We made a popular pinball machine and you know, you got to have trust. Some movie guys, they think, well, I make movies, so I must be able to make a pinball machine. No, that's not true. (laughs) You know, everybody has their specialty. And if you don't, if you don't realize that or recognize that, I don't tell them how to make movies, but you know, they always try to tell us how to make a pinball machine except for the the people that I just explained.
0: Is, is there any famous people you've rubbed shoulders with that kind of shocked you? That was big pinball fans.
2: Oh yeah. I'll tell you what, Carl Urban is a big pinball fan. We got his speech for Star Trek, the last one here at Stern because I coached him also for the speech and he goes, I know who you are, Mr. Ritchie. I have five of your games here. I'm sitting here looking at them. Oh, wow. We gave him, you know, a, an L.E. Star Trek. And so, you know, my mind was blown. And it's like, yeah, very interesting. Um, Ed Robertson of the Bare Naked Ladies, he's also a big fan of pinball. He has my games. And, oh, he has, you know, he's got George's games. He's got a lot of our games, no doubt. But it's like, you know, when he comes to town, he gets his tickets. One time at a big show in Chicago, he said, I just want to tell you folks, okay? We got we got some people here from pinball. I love pinball. I own a bunch of pinballs, and I'd like to point out that some people that are here, some of my favorite people in pinball, Steve Ritchie, George Gomez, and Lyman Sheets. You know, it's just amazing. You know, okay. I don't know, forty thousand people there. Is there ever been a time
0: that someone bet you couldn't put something into a pinball machine design-wise? Like, they're like, I bet you can't do this, and you pulled it off off successfully?
2: Yeah, actually, that just happened to me, but I I can't go into it. Let's see. You said this. Led Zeppelin has been many people's dream title, including Jeff Taylor's. How does it feel that you've got to design such an icon? I begged for it, and I'll tell you what. Their management was, they, they didn't, you don't get anything from them, okay? I mean, it's really hard to get a license from Led Zeppelin's management, myth, Gem, But they kept talking about it and talking about it, and finally they gave in. And um, I'm happy that it worked out that way.
0: I was going to say, do you know how they received it after it was made and whatnot, how their feelings are about the pinball machine?
2: I have no idea whatsoever. None. I'm, I'm pretty sure... Each one of the members of the band got a game. I mean, that's usually do that. I have not heard one word. Um, okay, I'll, I'll tell you some things. Jimmy Page doesn't even have a computer. He, he does not use internet,
1: okay? I believe that.
2: Everything is snail mail, you know? It's like he has not kept up with the times at all. So it's like, uh, it's he was he was pretty easy.
1: Uh, there, uh, there is a set list. And so the thing I like about Led Zeppelin is it goes from one song to another. It also continually plays the song when your ball drains. And so it doesn't feel abrupt.
2: That's right. We love it too. It's like, it was the magic that this, this music games need to do that exactly like it is. And that's the first one that did that. As far as I know, I have not played a Guns N' Roses, but I don't think it works like ours.
1: Yeah. I, I like a couple things. One, if you change the song accidentally, because usually you're flipping flippers at the end yeah. and you go back to it, it picks up exactly where you, where you flipped away from it. I like that. Yeah. And I like that it goes from one song to another. And so there's basically a set list. So I, I play the immigrant song that goes into Kashmir. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, uh, who designed the set list and w- was it intentional? Cause it's interesting because each song goes from like an up-tempo to a slower song to an up-tempo song.
2: Um, I did. And it's not, it's, it's not that, I mean, Tim made this stuff happen. I want to make that clear, but I drew all the songs basically in the order that I liked them. I didn't get to pick the last two at the bottom. They were picked by other people, and there are other songs I would have taken, like Heartbreaker, such a rocking song. Did you get a lot
1: of people that wondered why Stairway to Heaven was not in the game?
2: Yeah, a lot of people wondered, but it's like, it was just, I'm not going to go into it here. I'll just say that the cost was definitely out of our range. That's the first thing. The second thing is, the reason why I didn't care it's not a good rock and pinball song. It takes forever to get going. Right. The third reason is it is the most overplayed Led Zeppelin song. I mean, it's just the, the song I would have put in, but it's it's
1: just one of my favorites is going to California. But I don't know if that would be a good pinball song either.
2: It's okay. It's it's got, you know, it's you know, it's sing song in the I know the songs. okay, I'll tell you what. My wife sent me albums in 1969 and 70 when I was in Vietnam and I had a, a stereo system for the second six months that I was there. And so I know every single note of every single song they ever written, you know, wrote or made or whatever. It's like, um, it is a good song, but it, it never, you know, it reminds me of the immigrant song, not immigrant, I'm sorry, Ramble On. Ramble On has a nice little melodic tune. In fact, I like that while I'm playing pinball. Because I know it's going to be screaming pretty soon. It's just, yeah, it has really good breaks. Going to California is sort of kind of one level to my memory.
1: It, it is, but it, it is.
2: I didn't like it, and I'm, you know, there are ways you can get your your game to play it.
1: Oh, it's fine. I, I like your set list the way it is. It, it looks like a mushroom cloud on the apron, though.
2: Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, it does that, but it's not. Be, it's it's really about. The songs in the order they're in. It's like, I wanted that order.
1: <laughs> okay, Josh, do you have uh, one last question for him?
2: You know, we've covered this
0: list pretty well. Um, I, I can't think of anything else. I, I'm just glad you're still doing this, Steve. It's awesome to see your influence upon pinball. That's just helped drive the direction of flow and stuff for the past 20, 30, 40 years.
2: I'm still happy to be doing it. I still love doing it, I really do. If I didn't love it, I wouldn't do it. And I just, yeah my kids are grown up and gone. We have this pandemic. It's like, all I do is work on pinball, but it's pretty cool because I get to work on pinball.
1: Well, we are planning on coming up for Expo, so hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to hang out and get a burger with you.
2: Hey, no problem, it sounds like fun. It was great to be here. I thank you very much for inviting me.
1: Hey, thanks, Steve. We appreciate
0: it. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we are Loser Kid Pinball Podcast at com. You can contact us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at LoserKidPinball. If you've enjoyed the show, hit us up. We always appreciate those that have messaged us. Uh, We thank the community for listening and having some fun with us today. Also, we want to do a shout-out to Martin Robbins. Congratulations, our newest code designer in the industry with Fathom 2.0. I can't wait to see this magic. Uh, I'm excited for Haggis. You guys are doing awesome down there. Congratulations and good luck with that production. Thanks again for tuning in and we hope to see you in a couple of weeks.
1: and and sit sit down. down.